All right. Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michaels show. I am Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills in for Bill today. Welcome to the rest of the network joining us for this 11 o'clock hour. We're taking you up until two. The Brewers will be playing at 1210 today. The game obviously available on here uh, in Madison on the zone on radio, but the game viewing wise only available on YouTube. So a perfect day to sit in front of the radio or wherever you are and listen to the beautiful sounds of baseball at 1135. This show, wherever there is a Brewers affiliate, will switch off. If you want to stay with us, go to the madcitysportszone.com streaming option. We are on the Zone app. Many ways to find us, uh, many ways to keep up with the program, even when we drop off for the Brewers. So, Grant, uh, big win, good win for the Brewers last night. Jason Alexander pitches well. Uh, the offense gives two home runs, enough run support, six to three win. As I said, a very Brewers feeling win. What did not feel very Brewers about it is that there were three rain delays. They were in Minnesota. It looked like Armageddon. The sky was dumping. People were soaked. The concourses were completely flooded. There is a lot of chatter while that is happening of everybody saying, well, why don't you put a roof on it? Why isn't there a roof there? So, I decided to light the fire there. This is a very complex issue that we will get into every angle of it. Opinions are, they don't have to be one side or the other. You could think many things at the same time, but I have put a Twitter poll question at Ben Z. Kenny, should every MLB stadium have some sort of retractable roof? Grant Bills, what say you? Well, I just voted no. So I'll lay my cards on the table. Uh, I am an, an American and I believe in in the private ballot, the secret ballot, but I'll, I'll lay it out there. I voted no. I like baseball because all the stadiums are different, right? And I weirdly enjoy Brewers fans thinking they're superior to everyone because they have a retractable <laughs> roof. And then all the other fans thinking they're superior to the Brewers because they're outside and they have a nice view. That's fun. And if we make everything the same, right, then that goes away. And we could talk about all the other ways in which Brewers fans are different from all these other fan bases. Like we have the short porch in right field and it's a brilliant way to convince ourselves that every signing is amazing. Well, this guy <laughs> kind of stinks, but you put him in American family field, he might hit a bunch of home runs. Like that's a big part of why baseball is fun is every ballpark is different. And that presents in all of these different conversations. And if we make every stadium the same, that goes away and that stinks. I think that is very well said. I also think given the context of where teams play, different things are necessary. For instance, the, hmm, when you, I, I would say Texas, but it's so hot down there and they do have a roof. But let's say you go to St. Louis. St. Louis yeah. does not face the same weather that us here in Wisconsin and even Chicago does. It is a little more mild, especially early in the season when it's cold. It might snow a little bit. The wind is crazy. So given the context of where teams play, I think roofs could make sense depending on where you are. In Philadelphia, for instance, the entire East Coast, no reason for one there. Yes, it rains sometimes, but still, it gets hot during the summer. It's cold during October, but that's that cold October baseball vibe. I don't need that inside. So where I stand is if I had to go all or nothing, either or, I would say no. It is, yes, very entertaining to see everyone lose their minds when the Brewers play a road game and it gets rained out. But also, it's like I, I feel like that's kind of a – and I don't mean to come off as condescending in any way. It's kind of a spoiled <laughs> attitude. Like, listen, 
Major League Baseball is amazing because they play every single night. That's what yeah. I love about it. Every single night, I can make dinner, sit in front of my television, and watch baseball. And honestly, I've reached the point in adulthood where not much goes on during the week that I, I get kind of mad when there's an off day. I'm sitting there during an off day, and I'm pissed. I don't know what to do. So Thanks. if a rain delay happens, number one, it means extra baseball later. And since the Brewers never have games rained out, they don't really get that. I love the idea of, oh, the game got rained out tonight. I'll find something different to do. But I get a I get a double header tomorrow, which means I can sit at work and watch half of the game while doing my work. It's a very fun way to live. So I don't know. The whole roof thing is is tough because you look at Minnesota back, I don't know how many years ago when their old stadium was taken down and they moved to Target Field. Their old stadium had a roof. And my Minnesota-based friend, big twins fan, texted me last night. We were talking about this exact topic. And he said, yeah, us in Minneapolis, like we wanted an outdoor stadium. We didn't want to just be in in a very cookie-cutter dome setting. So I think there are many pros to having one. I also think there are cons. For instance, sometimes American Family Field is a sweat box, and it's very hard Mm -hmm. to, to take that. It's hard to complain when you're at a baseball game, but still, you find something to complain about, beer prices and that. Uh, But I don't know. I think it is so different given every city. So I want to push back at the notion of, I can't believe the Cubs are going to rain this game out. They should put a roof over Wrigley Field. The beauty of an outdoor stadium in baseball is like no other. In football, every stadium, while it may look different on TV, it kind of feels similar. Like Lambeau feels special. But overall, if you go across the country, most football stadiums feel similar. I've been to every baseball stadium on the East Coast, and now many of them through the Midwest and maybe half of the West Coast stadiums, and Mm -hmm. every one has a distinctly different feel. And I love that about it. But I will say I like the outdoor ones a little more. The views are typically better. Miller Park, when it was built, was also just built in a place where the view wasn't really a worry. Like I've been to target field for baseball games. I've been there for concerts too. And the view is really cool. And, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong for twins fans to say, Hey, we can see the skyline. And that's really cool. I don't think Brewers fans should poo poo on that. That's something that you can't see outside of Miller park. Now American family field, you mentioned all these pros and cons. I think that's just a human thing, right? The grass is always going to be greener somewhere else. Like Brewers fans. Come on. You got to say, when it's a beautiful day, you got to wish it was more open, more outdoor, right? But when it's raining, it's the best thing in the world. I I think we always want a little bit of what we don't have. That's just a human condition. Like, Ben, you moved around a couple times in college, I'm assuming. I've gone back and forth from apartment to house, apartment to house, and I'm always kind of craving the things that I don't have. Like, when I'm in an apartment, like, damn, I miss my yard because I like a bird feeder, Mm -hmm. right? And when I'm in a house... It's annoying because I got to do all these repairs and I got to, right? We're we're always wanting what we don't have. I think that's a factor in baseball stadiums and the way we talk about them as well. Yes, except for the fact that there are some places you go. And for instance, Dodger Stadium, I think is, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Have you been? Yeah, many times. I, or by many, I mean four, but it is one of the most overrated stadiums in baseball. It's beautiful and it's historic and it's awesome, but the traffic is horrific getting there. And when you're there, I have never seen longer lines to get food. So I will say, you want what you don't have. Like I, There are moments where I go to other stadiums 
that are very affordable. It's very accessible to get food and easy. I don't think anywhere else I wish I had something else. Like, that is one of my biggest things I need. But, yeah, I'm with you there. Moving throughout college, there was always the – I had a roommate freshman year in the dorm. I was like, oh, I, I can't wait till I don't have a roommate, have my own room. Then I'm in this crap hole of a house. Oh, I can't wait till I live in a real building. And it goes on yeah. and on till you leave college. You're like, wow, real life kind of sucks. Yeah. Now I want to go back to living in a dorm. Yeah. It, it all goes full circle, right? Yeah. So I, I will say one thing about American Family Field, seeing you brought up Dodger Stadium. American Family Field is practical, but it doesn't have the same feel as Wrigley or Dodger Stadium or some of these really classic baseball stadiums. The amenities are better. But the concourse at American Family Field is way bigger than at Wrigley. Wrigley kind of feels like you're in a middle school. Like the hallway is very skinny. The concourse doesn't have a lot of space. But it has this old-timey feel that you don't really get at American Family Field. You kind of feel like you're in a spaceship, weird thing, and it lacks the charm. But it's more practical. So lots of pros and cons with all these ballparks, like I said. 877-867-1670. The Twitter poll is up at Ben Z. Kenny, should every MLB stadium, after what we saw last night, have some sort of retractable roof? Right now, 58.3% say no. Around 42% say yes. Yeah, it's also kind of a to-each-his-own kind of thing because I'm a big fan of old-timey feels and kind of mucking it up, if you will. I kind of like when it's not as pristine because it's baseball. And then I think yeah. there could be something said for I 2008 World Series, Game 3, Phillies Rays. I sat through, a, I was 10 years old. I sat through a two-hour rain delay. The game started at 10.30 at night. Kind of felt like I was overcoming something with the team, as did the rest of the <laughs> sold-out park. Nobody left, and we were That's there. So the game funny. started so late. It went into extra innings. It ended in the bottom of the 10th. The game ended at like 2 a.m., and we felt like we had just won that war with the team. Something to be said about the uniformity going away a little bit. And, I mean, there's like once you get to October, you need it to be cold. Like I can't do yeah. Toronto. I can't do Toronto in October because it's inside. It's different. It's still a little chilly in American Family Field in the playoffs. They keep the roof closed, so it's not windy. But it's still chilly. I think the one month of the year where Target Field really feels not having a roof is April because it's brutal. But it they shouldn't sucks. play baseball in April. That's just the but, larger yes. discussion there about the state of MLB and why they have to start that. Fair. Absolutely fair. If you can't play an outside game in the Twin Cities, maybe you shouldn't be playing baseball yet. And I'm not even going to disagree with you there. But I think that's the one month of the year. It really stinks they don't have a roof. Like, there was a rain delay last night. Wasn't that the Brewers' first rain delay all season? I think Ebo said that this morning. Yeah, probably. For Ebo, I understand. You have to put the me in media somewhere. Yeah. His The way he looks at it, given he is the program director and, and the person tasked with wow. setting up all the Brewers games for our fine affiliates and station, whenever there's a rain delay, it messes everything up. So I understand where he comes from in that regard, given the fact that there are usually aren't rain delays and, and he could, you know, sleep tight at night knowing things aren't going to get messed up. Did he get paid extra yesterday? I really hope he was fairly compensated for all that extra work he did. Oh, I got to text him. I hope he's doing okay. For the rain Hold delay on. yesterday. He just popped in. I, I talked to him. Um, there was some chatter. There are, there are koozies that came out for their morning show and I called them ugly because it had their logo on it. 
and that's <laughs> what, causing some internal strife. Hey, he called me not a company guy. I'm a company guy more than any. You wow. know what I mean? All right, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Where do you stand on this roof thing? Uh, do you think the overall mindset of every time it rains, everyone rushes to Twitter and says, put a roof on it. Are you with it? Are you against it? I find myself normally against it because I like the beauty and the personality that all the different ballparks have. Some of them, you just know when you go, you might get rained out, but that's part of the experience. You take the good with the bad. That's where I stand. 877-867-1670. Coming up a little bit later, Grant, I wanted to get to this. It is college football's made a lot of waves, obviously, with conference realignment. There's been a lot talked about what the Big Ten could look like, what the SEC could look like, what comes next with Notre Dame, with the Pac-12. Zach Halpern and I spent pretty much a full day Friday on that. There is something that came out today that I think is more important than anything else in the college football world right now. It's something that not enough people really talk about, and it has to do with who can truly contend in the sport this season and in the future. This goes back to... Do you think Wisconsin should compete? Blah, blah, blah. Should they go over this hump? All of this theoretical talk about what Wisconsin can achieve. An article came out today. It's an annual article, and I love it. I bookmark it in my calendar, and it came out today looking ahead to this season. Who can really compete in college football this year? We're going to talk about that coming up. I am very interested to get into this and to talk, and it raises great questions around what Wisconsin needs to do or whether we as fans maybe expect a little too much. So that's coming up next. We can take your calls on roofs if you so please. 877-867-1670. It is Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills with you today. Beautiful day across the great state of Wisconsin. Brewers in action. Bottom one as we speak. Aaron Ashby on the bump. One on and one out. That game really just getting underway in the bottom of the first. Getting great tweets of what the sky looks like in Minnesota without a retractable roof. You want to get more into that conversation? We can. 877-867-867. 1670. Uh, Grant, there also is some other Brewers chatter we were going to hit today. First is with the All-Star game, and we'll get to that coming up a little bit, but with Josh Hader, it was announced by the team or by MLB, I forget, but he will not participate in the All-Star game, instead take the time off to be with his newborn child, which, great. Uh, I think also it's probably good that he's going to get some rest. He's given up more runs in the last five, six innings than he had in quite a long time. So maybe that rest will do him well. As we mentioned, Corbin Burns not starting twice this week. He will most likely start or pitch early in the All-Star game. I would have liked him to pitch twice, but whatever. Not the biggest deal. I understand the importance of the All-Star game. There was also this. I am a big fan of MLB Central, the morning show on MLB Network with Mark DeRosa, Lauren Shahadi, 
Rob Roflo. I don't really know his full name. I just know Roflo. You have uh, you've converted me, by the way. That's what I turn on in the morning now. If I turn the TV on, not up, which used to be my go-to. I'd have it on mute. I just like seeing the topics. Yeah. But now I'm all in on MLB Network in the morning. Oh, uh, it's so entertaining. Mark DeRose is hilarious. The way he breaks it down is very. He's funny and interesting. It's it's kind of fun to listen to him go through stuff. He throws baseball jargon in there, makes you feel like you're part of the locker room. So he's great. But they were talking this morning about big moves that could be made in the NL Central because it's a two-team race. It's the Cardinals. It's the Brewers. It's nobody else. He was talking about big moves the teams could make. And he started with a long spiel about Paul Goldschmidt and how the Cardinals, maybe they go out, out-of-the-box idea, Go big ticket guy, get Shane Bieber from the Cleveland Guardians, ace on the mound. That would be dangerous then going forward with him and, and Jack Flaherty at the top of that rotation. So that's the Cardinal side of it. And here's what he had to say about the Brewers. Take a listen. Okay, so when I look at Milwaukee, you have the Woodruffs who have come and gone with the IL. Freddie Peralta, but Corbin Burns has been the constant. But you look at their offense, especially last night. How are they going to score consistent runs? I love Willie Adamas. Pauses. He's got 18 bombs heading into the break. This is their lineup last night. It reminds me of 2010 with the San Francisco Giants sitting on the bench watching these guys struggle to score three runs, putting huge pressure on themselves to bail out a pitching staff that was throwing stressful inning after stressful inning. So I say, if you're going to jump, jump it. Who would be somebody that could come in and really change this entire lineup and just assimilate himself in there, into that clubhouse? He'd be perfect. He'd hit perfect in that Miller Park, run it. I know it's pie in the sky, people, but if you've locked in on the White Sox, if you locked in, they're flat. It doesn't look right. Things could potentially happen. He's a free agent at the end of the year. You could put Telez in the DH spot. Give me Jose Abreu, kind of like that CC Sabathia came for them in 2007 to save their five games back in the division. I know. I'm thinking outside the box. Do you want me to say Andrew Benatendi? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's interested. (laughs) The Yankees are interested. I think it it, it's it's an interesting division, right? Well, 49 wins is the is the most. How are you going to go deep into the postseason? The Braves, Mets, and Dodgers are bears. Bears. And I feel like sometimes we look at the division leaders in the National League and we talk and we go, oh, and Milwaukee. Because we don't truly believe they can run the table. I mean, first of all, love the techno in the background. There's Mark DeRosa, MLB Central this morning, MLB Network. Uh, Great show. I love following how he talks about baseball. Good techno music in the background there to give a good visual to maybe what the highlights were that were playing on their television show. The comments at the end, I mean, that's exactly what we talked about yesterday. When you look across the NL, and this is for the casuals, if you will, casual baseball fans, or any baseball fan outside of this state, they look at the Mets. They, As Mark DeRosa said, the Mets are a bear. The Dodgers, absolute bear. Even Atlanta, you could throw them up there uh, with the Mets. And then you look at the rest of the leaders, you're like, oh, and the Brewers. That, I feel like that's the attitude that most people have. I think it's a, I don't really think that was an over-the-top critique. I think that's a fair yeah. point. I think it perfectly explains where we're all at. Now, I rationalize this as a Brewers fan. 
by making it a good thing. We're going to sneak up on the rest of the league. We're the snake in the grass because no one's talking about us, which I actually believe to a certain degree, but they need to add because they don't have enough talent. I like the Abreu idea. If I were the White Sox, I would just get a new manager and well, not sell off anyone. Personally, that's what I'd do, but I seems as though they're not going to do that. Yeah, try not to hire an old guy that has 15 DUIs and clearly is doesn't have the best decision-making process at this point. Not great. He's not great. Never really been a fan of his, especially now. So that that's a start. That is a team that has drastically underperformed. But for all the people, and I've heard from a lot of them, that call in and all, all they want to talk about is batting average, for everyone who wants to say, we need someone who can actually get hits and raise the team's average and get on base, Jose Abreu does that. He's hitting 297. The biggest number to note here, in the COVID-shortened season of 2020, he won American League Most Valuable Player. 60 games, 262 plate appearances, 59 strikeouts. Pretty much one strikeout a game. In today's day and age of baseball, very impressive. How about this, Grant? This year, 2022, Jose Abreu has played in 85 games, 372 plate appearances. 58 strikeouts. That is 25 games more, 110 more plate appearances than his MVP year in 2020 and one fewer strikeout. You want to talk about a guy that can shorten up with two outs, that can do everything everyone is pining for in a lineup? That is exactly what he does. And then you also throw in he's a prolific power hitter and wildly consistent. So on a micro level, I love all those stats. You're exactly right. It's not just about the batting average. He does all of the little things that lead to productive at bats and can be productive driving in runs, getting hits, not just hitting slap singles and, and hitting 300, which is important. I still like batting average, but it's not as important as a lot of people want to make it out to be. On the micro, I love all those things. On the macro, Ben, I am going to risk making myself sound basic again. I'm not as basic as I am with college football. I can't get Freddie Freeman out of my head from last fall. I can't stop thinking about him. That team had a true blue chip MVP, not a guy who got hot and played like an MVP for a couple of weeks, a blue chip bona fide MVP. And I love the idea of adding a Bray who has that DNA of being the guy, even if it hasn't been for his whole career, but in, in seasons here and there, I love that. And maybe that's basic because I'm chasing the way that Freddie Freeman made me feel. And I can't get that out of my head, but I love the idea of bringing in, a guy who's a former MVP. Well, what's crazy is, I'm with you there, he is 35 years old. He's not young. But since he entered the league in 2014, he has been nothing but wildly consistent. Th mm -hmm. he, rookie of the year 2014, he hit 317, OPS 964. 2015, he hits 290. 2016, he hit 293. 2017, he hits 304. Little bit down in 2018, only 265. But that's still better than every Brewer this year. 2019, 284, 834 OPS. He wins MVP in the COVID-shortened 2020 season, 317 with an OPS of 987. Last year, he hits 261, and this year back to 297. He is one of the most consistent contact and power guys the league has. A lot of his power, he is big-time gap power, and that's kind of a cliche thrown around, but he hits a crap ton of doubles. And I think yeah. if there's one thing this team needs a little more, the Brewers get a lot of walks. They get a lot of home runs. You don't really see that gap-to-gap -gap double power necessarily very often. So, yeah, it's going to take a lot. I don't know if the White Sox would sell. It fits every bill. There's something to me about 
getting a guy to hit third every day. The Brewers had it with Yelich. Maybe getting a first mm-hmm. baseman to hit third. I don't know. Maybe it's watching Ryan Howard for a while and he hit fourth, but same thing applies. You look at Anthony Anthony Rizzo on the Cubs. You look at Freddie Freeman on the Dodgers. So many of these teams that have gone and done the thing as time has gone on, they have that MVP caliber third hitting or fourth hitting first baseman that's consistent every single day. That's what he would bring. It wouldn't have taken a crazy nutty offensive performance for the Brewers to beat the Braves in the playoffs last year. No. They just needed to not suck. And Abreu coming in, and and if I can bet on him not going one for 21 over the course of a three-game series, that's honestly huge. I can't count on that for a lot of bats in this lineup. Give me one or two guys I know aren't going to do that. That's huge. There's also, I think, something to be said about giving a jolt to the locker room. And it's not that this team is dead by any means. They're winning. They're playing good baseball. They go through bad stretches, but they're winning. But giving that jolt of sending the message that we just traded, and I'll use this name because he's been brought up constantly. We just traded Jackson Churio for Jose Abreu. Look at that. Mm -hmm. We have nothing in the farm system. We're going all in. Here's a guy to hit third every single day and be a beast. We could put Telez in DH. We could do a little platoon given matchups. But here is that guy. He's coming into the locker room. Everyone else looks around and says, oh, this is our time. I think there's something to be said for sending that message. I just hope that Abreu's available. Again, and I said this yesterday, never underestimate how cheap some of these owners are. And the White Sox are really good, and I think they're underperforming because their manager is a big reason. And I wouldn't be surprised if Reinsdorf says, Eh, let's just be sellers this year. We'll try again next year. Despite that being really stupid, they shouldn't do that, but don't underestimate how cheap some of these owners are. Reinsdorf is definitely one of them. I'm with you. I think bringing in a guy who hits 295 might seem, oh, that's nice. You know, stick him in the lineup. That's good. But the effect of bringing in someone new, the effect of front office showing aggression, it can be bigger than one player's individual stats. 877-867-1670. If the trade was proposed, would you part ways with top prospect and or two to get a Jose Abreu on this Brewers team? We're going to step away, take a quick break, give you an update about where the Brewers stand in Minnesota right now. Talk a little bit about the All-Star weekend coming up as well. Get back into this. Also, big-time trade prospects. It's that time of year where we're fawning over guys. We're finding someone that we think will fit. Abreu's one of them, brought up by Mark DeRosa. I love it. I'm all in. We'll talk about it coming up more. It's Ben Kenny, Grant Bills, and for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.